0: Hello and welcome to H2 Orthopedics. My name is Mike Begg. I'm a certified physician assistant, a certified athletic trainer. I have a doctorate degree in medical science and over 30 years of experience in sports medicine, orthopedics, and medical education. My goal is to take your orthopedic diagnosis or injury and help you make sense of it. Welcome to H2 Orthopedics. To another episode of H2O. Uh, like I thought, what do you think about that music, by the way? My daughter thinks it's too much, but it's kind of funky. I guess I'm showing my age. But anyway, topic of the day. I got an email from a friend of mine who said, hey, Mike, uh, and this guy, he, he's he, he's not bulletproof, but he thinks he is. Uh, he said, hey, I have another injury. No, I didn't rupture my spleen this time, but I've torn my rotator cuff. I went to a doc after a, a bad mountain bike accident. And uh, they've diagnosed me with a rotator cuff tear and he thinks I need surgery. I want to show you the images and talk to you about it before I sign up for any, any type of a procedure. So uh, like I thought when I started this podcast, the topics just keep coming. Uh, it's almost nonstop, but uh, I, that's why I do this. I love helping people out. I love giving information and educating you so you can make the right decision for you. Uh, Moving forward with treatment, whether it's surgery, conservative, physical therapy, modification of activities, whatever it may be, uh, I want you to make the educated decision that's right for you and matches up with your recovery goals. So um, that's the topic today, rotator cuff injury. So as uh, the H2O format uh, dictates, we're going to go back and talk about normal anatomy. So the rotator cuff, I worked back east for a while, and back there they call it the rotary cup but it's really the rotator cuff. And if you were to take your left hand and put it up in front of your face and kind of make a, you know, we're looking at your thumb, I guess, at that side so that your fingers are pointing towards the sky, thumb's pointing towards you, and just cup it a little bit. That'll be the socket or what we call the glenoid of your shoulder. Uh, if you take your other hand, your right hand, make a fist and you put it on right in the center of your of your left hand. Uh, so kind of line them up right in the middle there. Kind of fits into that little pocket. Uh, that's going to be your humeral head or the shoulder or the, excuse me, the ball part of the shoulder joint. So we have the ball and the socket. That's the shoulder joint. Now, if you take that same, same, you know, description with your hands and and rotate it. So your right hand's facing at your face. So you're looking at your knuckles there. If you took from nine o'clock all the way over to three o'clock, and this is a rough estimate, but it's easy for, for us to picture this. That's where your rotator cuff is. So nine o'clock to three o'clock over the top is the rotator cuff. And really what we're talking about are the tendons of the four muscles that make up the cuff. We'll get into that in a second. And then from three o'clock underneath to nine o'clock, so all the way around, was more of a capsule or a ligament sac that makes up the shoulder joint. So over the top is the cuff or the tendons of the cuff, and down below was the capsule. Now, when you injure your rotator cuff, we need to be clear as providers, what you've typically done is injured the tendon attachment of one of the four muscles onto that humeral head, onto the ball. So there's special little bumps that are created um, for attachment on that ball. We'll call them the tuberosities. One in the front. So if we go back to that same you know hand description where the knuckle of your little finger is, I'm going to call that the lesser tuberosity. And that's where one of the front rotator cuff tendons will attach. All these names don't you don't need to remember, but that's called the subscapularis. And its job is to rotate your shoulder, the ball, inwards. So if you have you know, have your elbow pinned to your, to your, to your belt line, and you rotate your hand towards your belly. Your elbow's, you know, bent at 90 degrees. So it's parallel to the floor. Uh, your forearm is, and you bring your hand towards your belly. That's internal rotation. And that's what that subscapularis, that front rotator cuff tendon does. And again, back to our hands in front of our face here, it's going to be attached to that knuckle of the small finger. So that's the lesser tuberosity. <clears throat> the greater tuberosity, which is a bigger bump, is a little bit more to the side. So it's going to be where the knuckles of, say, your middle fingers are, um, your your ring finger and the one in between there. um, That's going to be the greater tuberosity. And that's where the supraspinatus, infraspinatus, and teres minor, the other three tendons will attach onto that bigger bump, the greater tuberosity. And when you have a rotator cuff injury, it's typically injury to the tendon that attaches to these two bumps on the ball or the tuberosities on the ball. Now between the knuckles, between the, the your small finger, pinky finger knuckle, and say your your middle finger, we're going to say there's a little groove in there. So we're going to smash out your fourth finger and create a groove. We're going to call that the bicipital groove. That's where the long head of your biceps runs. And oftentimes when you have a rotator cuff injury, we we throw in some biceps pathology because it's very common. And we'll talk about that in just one second, but uh, it's very common to have a biceps tendon injury. What we're talking about is the long head of the biceps. So your, your muscle in the front of your arm, uh, when you you know do the curls for the beach, that's your biceps. Um, its job is to bend your elbow, but really it's to, to say, turn the doorknob. So take your, palm, your forearm from palm down to palm up, like turning a doorknob, turning a screwdriver. That's a primary biceps motion. But we go to the gym and we do curls to get big biceps before we go to the beach. Um, but there's two heads. The long head and the short head. The long head is actually part of the shoulder when it gets up top uh, in that area and it runs through that bicipital groove. So, okay, so rotator cuff injury what happens? It's the tendon that's injured or pulled off or torn off, if you will, from that tuberosity. So, in the front, we talked about the subscapularis. Up on top is what we as a tendon or a muscle that we call the supraspinatus. So, these muscles all attach to your shoulder blade or your scapula. Uh, so, above the spine, if you reach over your shoulder and you feel on your shoulder blade, there's kind of a hard, uh, bony ridge that goes, you know, f- from left to right, um, or right to left, depending on what side you're working on, but it's parallel to the ground and you can feel that it's called the spine. So above the spine or superior to the spine would be the supraspinatus. That's a main rotator cuff that brings your elbow away from your body. So if you're again, if you're kind of elbows bent at 90 degrees, pinned to your, to your belt line, if you raise your arm straight out to the side, you're primarily using that supraspinatus. Your deltoid does some of that, but your supraspinatus works on that as well. Just inferior to the spine is the infraspinatus. So same idea, inferior to the spine, infraspinatus. Its job is kind of to rotate the hand outward. So we talked earlier, the subscapularis, the one in the front, brings your hand towards your belly. The supra brings your elbow out from your side. The infra and the teres minor, which is the fourth the little rotator cuff in the back that we don't talk about a lot, uh, they rotate the arm outward. So it's pretty complex. It's, pretty, it's a pretty unique part of the body. It's really complicated. Uh, but those four tendons uh, kind of rotate and, and move your arm around. They elevate or move your arm forward. Uh, they really work together. And the analogy I use when I'm talking to patients about how complex this is, there's a couple of things we need to talk about, uh, but there's four tendons. So in my mind, I kind of picture a puppet, you know, a puppet with four strings, two to his hands or two to his arms and two to his feet. Uh, and we're trying to, you know, there's a little cross with the strings that are attached to it that we're actually manipulating trying to get this puppet to dance where those four rotator cuff tendons have to work together, just like those strings have to work together to, to make that puppet dance. And if one's injured or torn, uh, or inflamed, or whatever it may be, um, then it doesn't work very well, and other muscles start to take over. So the deltoid up on top is a big, powerful muscle. The pectoralis in the front, the latissimus and the uh, the trapezius, kind of in the back, and then you know, coming off the neck, uh, they kind of take over, and uh, you know, those other little, smaller muscle groups that can kind of get involved here. But then you start having these achy pains, and you start to change the way you move your arm or your shoulder throughout the day, and sometimes that chronic rotator cuff injury that first was just inflammation and then became, you know, a partial thickness tear, like a pair of jeans that have a hole, but aren't quite, you know, aren't quite torn yet starting to wear thin. Um, you can have symptoms of pain and then the rest of your body, the other muscles in that part of the body will take over and change your mechanics or you have that true acute injury like my buddy had. Uh, and then you really don't have a chance to, to take over on you know, that chronic nature. But when you try to lift your arm, you're, you're not moving it very well because the muscles that are trying to do that motion aren't made for that motion. So you, you substitute and you realize, Hey, this is a problem. So if we go back to that ball and socket, we're talking about the rotator cuff, the four muscles from nine o'clock to three o'clock over the top. And typically If we play the odds, we're going to say it's a supraspinatus tear. Uh, It's the more common tendon to tear. It's the big one up on top that, again, raises your arm away from your, your elbow away from your body or kind of in the forward direction. It helps with that. Um, He also had a subscapularis tear, that front rotator cuff tendon. And the unique thing about that tendon in the front is it also holds, there's a little bridge of tissue that holds that biceps, that long head biceps in that groove that we talked about. So his biceps had jumped out of the groove because of the subscapularis injury. And eventually once he goes and gets this addressed, they may have to do something with that. So that's that's normal anatomy. And then I talked a little bit about the pathologic anatomy. What well, we have to remember a rotator cuff injury is a tendon injury and a tendon is part of this musculotendinous unit. And to me, the best analogy, best way to describe this to patients that they just need to get a picture of what's going on is, if I had a two by four, a piece of wood, and I had two nails in it that are six inches apart, and I hooked a four inch spring, on one nail and I stretched it out and I hooked it on the second nail, there's tension in that spring. That spring is pulling on both of those nails. That's what a normal muscle kind of looks like and is like in our body. It's it's stretched out. The fibers have tension. And then when they get a signal from the nerves, your brain fires and says, Hey, lift my arm or, you know, move this muscle. They shorten or they contract. When they contract, they pull on the attachment points and they have that motor function. So I contract my supraspinatus, my elbow comes away from my body. I contract my subscapularis, my hand goes t- towards my belly. So again, super coordinated. That's a very simplistic way to look at it. But just like that spring under tension, that's how our muscles are. If you cut the end of the spring, what's gonna happen? It'll retract, it'll pull back towards the one the, the one nail it's still attached to. And that's kind of what happens to a muscle when it's injured or a tendon when it's injured. You tear the tendon and there's a potential for it to retract or pull back, pull away from where you where it originally attached. And that's the problem when we start talking about rotator cuff injuries in that once it's torn, it'll start to pull back and pull away from that attachment point. Again, chronic tears can happen over months or years. Acute injuries can happen, you know, Within a few minutes, few weeks, or you know, at the end of the month, you know, if you've been dealing with this, the thing can be pulled back quite a ways, and that can become an issue. And that's often what we have to think about with treatment options. But think about that spring and two nails, and we cut the end of the spring. It's going to pull back. Obviously, that's going to happen almost instantaneously. Uh, The muscle may be a little bit slower, but it's going to pull that tendinous attachment away from its original. Uh, insertion point or attachment point on the, uh, on the humerus. And that's the issue. That's the rotator cuff tear. And it can happen to any of the tendons. I'll just tell you that the one way in the back called the teres minor is the least involved. The other three are pretty common. We we commonly will see a subscapularis tear and a supraspinatus tear. It's not unusual to see a supra and an infraspinatus tear. Um, and again, it just depends on the forces that go through the joint and kind of what wears out or what's injured at that acute injury episode. So normal anatomy, nine o'clock to three o'clock over the top, those four tendons are coming to, you know, off the shoulder blade, off the scapula where they, they attach the muscles live over on the scapula, and then as they come towards the ball, part of the ball socket, they turn into a tendon and they attach to these tuberosities, big, these big bumps, the greater or the lesser, these bumps on the humeral head. That's normal. When they tear, they usually tear out of that tendon portion within the first centimeter or so of that tendon. Uh, and it when it tears, it lifts off or tears off the bone, and then unfortunately starts to pull back or away from its attachment point which means it likely will not necessarily heal in true terms back to that point. It may become less symptomatic. You may not feel it as much as you kind of accommodate and figure out how to live your life without that that functioning tendon, but for it to truly heal back to that spot uh, is unlikely because it's under tension. It pulls away. You can form some scar in that gap. You can do all sorts of things, but the true nature of healing is not likely going to happen. That's the pathology. That's the problem along with that we can have an injury to that front rotator cuff tendon in the subscapularis that allows that biceps long head of the biceps to jump out of the little groove that it sits in and then it can be an additional problem or additional pathology that uh, may need to be addressed surgically if you ever get to the operating room all right that's a fairly simplistic description of a very complicated part of our body but that's the rotator cuff uh, how do we how do we evaluate this you went to, my buddy went to the doctor and and he ultimately came out with a diagnosis of a rotator cuff tear. But the question is, what what happened there? So you go in, and, and obviously the first thing we're going to do is ask you what happened. Uh, you're going to say, I don't know, I crashed on my bike, or I slipped on the ice, or this just developed over you know the last six months. Uh, we'll take that information into account. And then they're going to ask you to move your shoulder. They want to assess those four muscles and the motions that they're responsible for. And you typically compare them to the other side to see can you perform the activity? So they'll have you bring your arms uh, in a forward direction. They'll have you pin pin your elbows to the side and rotate outward and inward and lift the elbow away from the body uh, like a bird flapping his wings and then maybe rotate up in that direction. And then we're going to test your strength. So we'll test to see how, how strong you are in all those planes of motion, the simple planes of those individual tendons or rotator cuff muscles to see if you're strong or do you have pain with that? So getting a gauge of, is this truly detached or is it just inflamed and angry or uh, causing pain? Uh, oftentimes, uh, there's some special tests where we can really isolate out the tendons that we're thinking about. Uh, so we'll go through those type of tests as well. Typically strength tests. There are ways to evaluate the function of the biceps tendon as well. Certain sp- certain positions. Like we talked about its main role. We talk about going to the gym, doing curls, but its main job is to turn your forearm from palm down to palm up. uh, But they, so they can test it in that way and see if that creates shoulder pain. If it does, it might be a biceps component to your injury x-rays are often taken to look at the bony structure and that's not a necessarily a bad thing we can get some idea do you have arthritis along with your rotator cuff uh, injury or symptoms do you have uh, abnormal bony pathology have you suffered an injury in the past that w- may have would it change your uh, mechanics or lead to potential injury to the cuff. So an x-ray is helpful, uh, but typically an MRI is needed to really look at those tendonous structures. So an MRI is kind of the final step on the diagnostics uh, to evaluate the rotator cuff to see if there truly is pathology or injury and the severity. How, how bad is it? Uh, is it something that's just inflamed and angry and likely would, would, uh, respond well to a conservative course of treatment or is it truly torn and pulled back or retracted and may need to have surgical intervention. So as I said, that MRI is helpful and it gives us an idea of how much injury within that tendon itself. So the tendon is several millimeters thick when it's healthy and you can have a partial thickness injury or even just tendinopathy inflammation within the tendon. Uh, that's that's on the lesser side. Uh, that's good to know. And oftentimes that's treated conservatively. Or you can have a full thickness tear, meaning top to bottom all the way through. And typically we'll see some retraction uh, depending on how aggressive the, uh, the injury was, or, uh, was it, you know, something that's developing with time and suddenly it just happened. Uh, there's all different scenarios that can lead to that point, but a full thickness tear uh, is often something that needs to be fixed in the operating room. And then there's full thickness tears with differing or varying amounts of retraction. And we'll see tendons that are torn off that, that tuberosity. Remember we put our hands together, uh, the bumps, the knuckles were the tuberosities, um, they'll be torn off the tuberosity and retracted or pulled back because of that spring analogy. We're pulling back towards that nail where you are still attached to. Uh, Way back even to to the socket, you know, two and a half, three centimeters, which is a big deal. You know, two and a half or three centimeters when you're, you know, digging a hole in the garden to plant a tree is not a big deal. But for retraction of rotator cuff tendon, that's a long ways. And if that tendon lives back there for a period of time, and I'm talking usually uh, several weeks or months, Uh, there's no tension on there. So when it gets a signal from your brain, it can't retract or pull back or shorten, all meaning the same thing. And it becomes weak, it atrophies or gets smaller And with time, muscle tissue gets kind of infiltrated or uh, I'll say replaced, but it's maybe that's the wrong word, but it gets infiltrated or or switched out for fatty tissue. So fat kind of grows into that muscle and then it gets scarred back there. So if you try to go to the operating room and fix this thing, there's a chance it just doesn't stretch back out. Fat isn't elastic like tendons. So, and once it's stretched out, it doesn't contract like a tendon. So a chronic rotator cuff injury that's been retracted for several weeks to months and is irreparable or cannot be put back into place will lead to a totally different topic and different story. But that's something to be aware of and and really kind of a, a push for you if you think you have a rotator cuff injury and it's been there a while. Uh, my suggestion is don't ignore it. Get it evaluated because sometimes those those tendons become irreparable where we can't fix them if it's been chronic or scarred back too long. And that's, that's a, you know, something an MRI can help us with and we can counsel or the, we meaning the the group of orthopedics professionals uh, that you're talking to uh, can counsel you on, on treatment options. All right. Quick review, normal MRI four tendons that come off the shoulder blade and if we have our hands up in front of us for kind of a visual, they come past the left hand, they go over the top of the left hand onto the right fist, and they attach to these tuberosities where your knuckles are in the front. Subscapularis, its job is pull the hand towards the belly. On the top, supraspinatus, it attaches say to the third and fourth knuckle, and its job is to raise your elbow away from your side. Uh, just behind that, say the. You know, the, the first and second uh, knuckles is the infraspinatus and the teres minor, and their job is to rotate your uh, hand away from your belly or externally. They all work together, kind of like puppets, uh, strings, uh, to make your shoulder dance. The job is to really keep the ball centered in the socket, so the big muscles, the deltoid, the pectoralis, the latissimus, the... Um, trapezius, all these big muscles around the shoulder, they can do the power work and the cuff is just there to kind of hold the the ball solid in the socket so they have something to work off of. When there's an injury, it's an injury to the tendon, the one centimeter or so off that, uh, in this case, the right hand or those tuberosities and the concern or the indication for surgery usually is how far is it retracted. Full thickness tears with retraction typically need to have something done. Others that are lesser uh, may be able to be treated conservatively. All right, conservative care. So step or phase number one in the treatment options. I try to give you three options. One would be most conservative, which would just be for those rotator cuff injuries that are, are, are aggravating or they're there. They kind of show up occasionally. You have difficulty sleeping if you've been out uh, and they've been uh, you know, rearranging boxes in the garage or cutting limbs off the tree, working overhead. Uh, but you know, in a couple of days, it's going to go away. So we can treat that conservatively. Again, MRI is not a bad idea, even in that case, to see if it you know, see the significance of the tear and it's likely a partial thickness tear or a tendonitis or a tendinopathy. Uh, but the best thing to do in that case is to try to get the inflammation under control. So modify your activities. Again, if you can avoid, don't go out to the garage again for, a, for another week or so, or, you know, get your, your kids to help move those boxes around or or hire someone to, to tr- trim your trees. So that's modification of activity, anti-inflammatories, oral over-the-counter anti-inflammatories for a short course certainly may help. An ice pack may help. Uh, So, again, pretty simple things you can do at home. My recommendation is if this is something that keeps on happening, get a prescription and go see a physical therapist because you can definitely develop these habits of cheating. We're humans. We're going to cheat our way through the day, trying to find a path of pain-free motion or at least, uh, less decrease our pain. Um, and we can develop bad habits, which will start to build and over time can start to add to neck pain or just other, other areas. I have a, a muscle spasm between my, my shoulder blade and my, my spine, uh, because my shoulder doesn't work right. It's because you're not moving your shoulder, right? Because those tendons don't want to cause pain. Your brain's smart enough to say, no, nope, it's going to hurt. Use other muscles to do that action you know, a day or two of that's not a big deal, but a week or a month or even a year of that certainly can add up. So conservative course of treatment would be modify activities, anti-inflammatories and physical therapy. Sometimes that's just not possible, or sometimes you need a jump start, And this is an area where a corticosteroid injection is reasonable. So we're going to decrease the inflammation and there's two parts to the shoulder. So again, in a healthy cuff or a cuff, that's not completely torn, Uh, If we go back to our our analogy of putting our hands together, above our fingers, um, the rotator cuff comes together, it comes over the top of our fingers. Uh, We can go above the cuff, which is called the subacromial space. The acromium is part of the shoulder blade that lives up up high over the cuff. We can inject in the subacromial space, or we can inject into the intraarticular or the glenohumeral, the ball and socket part of the shoulder, or we can inject in both, quite honestly, uh, to decrease inflammation. When we do an injection, when you get an injection in your shoulder, uh, most of the time, at least when I do it, I'm thinking diagnostics and therapeutics. So diagnostically, if I inject in one of those spaces, but not both, and you get better, I know what's going on, or at least it shines a little light on what may be the source of the problem. Um, If I inject in both, I lose some of my diagnostics because I can't really tease out what's in each specific area is it super necessary? Not really. Um, it's helpful, but your goal is to get better. So I wouldn't worry too much about that, but an injection often helps you decrease your symptoms of pain, allows you to go through range of motion, strength, and return to function, which is the goal of the physical therapist, a little bit easier, a little bit quicker And it can be diagnostic. So that's kind of the intermediate step an injection, and then you go back to therapy, and then you go back to modifying your activities. We don't just skip over one to the other. This is a building up, and sometimes we leap just to number two to allow number one to happen. So that's the easy, that's the conservative, that's the non operative uh, course of events. If there's a full thickness tear with retraction of that tendon, just like my friend was talking about, that's how they described his injury on his MRI, this is something that likely should go to the operating room to be fixed. So a rotator cuff repair surgery, which can be done arthroscopically through many small little incisions, uh, depends on on angles and and size of the tear or traction uh, regarding the number of incisions, but usually, you know, four up to five uh, little poke hole incisions to reach in and grab onto that tendon, make sure it's elastic enough to come back to that tuberosity where it tore from, and then it's reattached. And There are several ways to do that, but just in a general sense, most orthopedic surgeons will uh, use anchors, which are headless screws, usually made out of special plastic. So they tap a small little hole in the bone. They deploy this anchor or screw this anchor into the bone. And then there are typically one or two sutures or stitches that come out of that anchor uh, that they pass from the underside to the top side of the tendon, and then they pull it over the top and into another row of anchors that are a little bit further down on that tuberosity, still up on the ball part of your shoulder, but say a centimeter or so on the outside or down from the initial row. And there's, a, there's kind of a special way of passing these sutures, you know, a little cross angle, uh, basically makes a square with a cross in the middle of it uh, into that second row, which puts that tendon back onto the bone where it came from or reattaches or holds it down where it came from, ultimately to heal there more often than not, before they tie that down or cinch it down, they'll roughen up the bone where they want that tendon to heal back to. And the analogy I use is like fertilizing your garden soil. You're going to make that area really, really fertile for healing and then tie that tendon or hold that tendon down onto that uh, location where it came from or anatomically. uh, And then hopefully we'll heal there. And the, the uh, phrase I use with patients are, we're going to hold you until you heal you. And there's going to be a six, maybe eight week timeline where we may need to, to limit your activity a little bit. Uh, different philosophies from different surgeons, but the, uh, the general idea is let's get the ball and socket moving early, uh, but let's not use the rotator cuff to do that. So it's passive motion, either you're hanging the arm and moving your body and letting your, your your shoulders kind of swing, uh, but effortlessly, or you see a physical therapist and they're moving your shoulder for you uh, so it doesn't get stiff. And then ultimately six or eight weeks or kind of depends on the tear, maybe longer, maybe shorter. Um, but uh, say say a month and a half down the road, we will assume that that rotator cuff has healed enough where we can start to put some stress to it uh, and start some easy range of motion where you're actually using that tendon And then with time and the the right progression of resistance over time, we will build a stronger connection of that tendon back where it came from. And ultimately you can have a fully functional shoulder with, with, you know, a healed rotator cuff tendon. We talked about that biceps for uh, early on and how it's kind of incorporated into a lot of these uh, rotator cuff injuries. And I'll just say more often than not these days, that biceps tendon is inflamed and angry and or jumped out of that groove and, and really has you know partial tears or sometimes fully torn. It, com- it can completely tear along with the rotator cuff. If it's not torn or if it is, uh, we, we do basically the same idea. We would release that tendon from the top of the socket where it attaches. Again, we're talking about the long head of the biceps. So we release the tendon from the top of the socket and go in, differently. We can do it all arthroscopically. Some patients will have a little incision in their armpit where they've reached in and grabbed that tendon, put some stitches through it, and then put another anchor, similar to what we talked about for the rotator cuff repair, uh, right below where the ball is in the socket. So usually in the front of the shoulder, where the biceps runs, uh, just under your pectoralis tendon, it's, if you can feel over there, you can kind of identify where that is. So it's called a sub repair or an all arthroscopic repair, basically the same end result, but we're tacking that biceps tendon down just below the shoulder joint and maybe removing an inch or an inch and a half of that tendon. But it works just fine. As long as it heals there, the biceps will work from that point down to the elbow versus the top of the socket down to the elbow. But the benefit is that there's no pain, or the pain um, that's generated from that injury is addressed or gone. Um, oftentimes that front rotator cuff, that subscapularis, if it just has a partial tear, sometimes that's all we have to do is just move that biceps tendon and that symptom in the front of the shoulder goes away. Sometimes it's a combination where that subscapularis tendon is torn a little bit more and we need to repair it back as well as do that biceps procedure, which is called a tenodesis, move the tendon. Uh, so the biceps tenodesis is not unusual to have with a rotator cuff injury, and sure enough, my friend that I worked, that kind of started this whole show uh, had a biceps tenodesis along with his rotator cuff repair of his supraspinatus, infraspinatus, and subscapularis. He had the had the full monte, the big deal, uh, but he's doing fine. That was, uh, three months ago when he called me, uh, and we went back and forth with emails. He had a surgery. He's been through some recovery. And last time I, I touched base with him, he was out riding his bike, uh, which may be pushing it a bit, but that's who he is and that's what he does. So anyway, he's doing fine. He's going to recover just well because he's a healthy guy. Uh, but there it is. That's the rotator cuff injury, uh, the, uh, the workup, the treatment options, I hope it makes sense for you. Um, again, as always, I'm, I'm happy to help answer questions. Uh, this was a pretty, pretty basic overview of the cuff. Uh, we'll talk about what happens when those rotator cuffs are torn and pulled back and are irreparable uh, there's a unique scenario there that we'll talk about in another episode. Uh, we'll talk about, uh, basic anatomy of the shoulder in other episodes as well. Cause I think there's a lot that goes on in there that's misunderstood, um, by the public and and some providers as well. So anyway, that's the rotator cuff injury episode. I hope, hope it made some sense out of some questions for you. Uh, if not email me or uh, go to our website at, uh, h2orthopedics.com and and leave a comment or a question there. And and again, I'll do my best to answer your questions either through another podcast or directly if that makes more sense. Uh, But that's that's the goal of this whole deal. I'm trying to help people understand what's going on. And uh, that's what I have for you. So as always, until we talk again, stay active, stay healthy, and do your best to put a smile on someone else's face. Thank you. Hey, it's Mike here. I hope this episode is helping you out and answering some questions. If I'm not hitting every topic right on for you, if there's something specific that you have about your injury, uh, or you want to discuss unique findings on the exam or your history, your MRI, your x-rays, whatever it might be, head to our website at h 2 orthopedicscom and scroll to the bottom for an opportunity to sign up for a virtual visit where we can either have a Zoom call, we can do a telephone call, whatever it might be, and we can discuss the specifics of your injury in more detail and hopefully get the answers you're looking for. Again, at h2orthopedics.com, scroll to the bottom for the virtual visit, and I will talk to you next time.